0: Welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. My name is Ben Jacobson. I am one of the pastors here at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota, and I am joined today by uh, my colleague, Pastor Paul Ninus. Pastor Paul, good to have you. Hey, hey, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. It is Christmas time, and it's an exciting time. We're working through kind of the beginning of Luke's gospel, Luke's account of who this Jesus was, and he tells us that that he sat down, he decided to write an orderly account so that uh, the certainty of of the life of Jesus would be made known. And so we're getting to look at the details. And in this case, and in many cases, probably every case in Scripture, the details are important. And Luke gives us lots of details. And so we'll kind of start to sift through those. But before we do that, one of the things I've been asking all our pastors when they come on during this time of the year is what is a a favorite Christmas tradition or a favorite Christmas memory that you have? Well, I think is my
1: mom making cookies as a child? My mom and uh, uh, and my best friend's mom. Uh, I remember one year got together, and I don't know what it was that they were having a massive Christmas bake sale or something. But they cooked literally for three days and filled every single square surface, square inch of the house, flat surface with cookies. And my friend and I just ran around and played and sampled, we sampled cookies, <laughs> and every type of Cookies, but the one uh, that I look forward to uh, every year is uh, my my family primarily Finnish ancestry,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, there's uh, this Finnish star cookie. Or it's shaped like a windmill, windmill. It's got a prune filling, and it's called yolo tortu. Mm. Uh, I'm probably killing that Finnish pronunciation because I don't speak fin. But uh, they're just these prune filling. Yeah, they're they're like a, a white flaky crust. That's folded into like a windmill shape. And and there's this sweet prune mm. puree in the middle of them, and you bake them, and they're buttery and they're, they're delicious and they melt in your mouth. And mm. my mom makes sure that I get some of those
0: still to this day. And I'm a 47 <laughs> year old boy. That's good. Yeah. It's good to have those traditions. Yolu tortu. Oh, man. Yeah, there's so many good cookies at Christmas time. There are. Oh. But I've not had that one. Maybe someday I will. We'll get you some. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's fun. Uh, I'll, hook you, I'll hook you up. Yeah, that's what I need. I need, I'd see. You I, need some more I cookies. didn't even know that I needed it. And I, here it is. Everybody needs
1: some more Christmas cookies at Christmas.
0: Yeah, but that specific cookie. Yes. I uh, Yeah. You did not know. Uh, yeah. That's great. Okay, so we're going to read from from Luke 2. We're going to start at, at, cha- at uh, verse 41. And we're going to read about boy Jesus when he's 12 years old. And so we've gotten some different glimpses of of Jesus in his early life here on earth, and this is a very specific one. So we'll read that now. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, The boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So just a short little snippet there. Just as we read that, Paul, what things jump out to you
1: well I think it's fascinating you know this is the only snippet we have of anything between Jesus birth and probably the age of 30 right when he began his his public ministry Matthew Mark John they don't have anything um, and Luke includes this this little snippet mm-hmm. of Jesus as a 12-year-old mm-hmm. and so it's really it's really fascinating to just see oh yeah Jesus was, you know, r- really human. He yeah. was a boy, yeah. a 12-year-old yeah. boy that, uh, you know, was parented and uh, was obviously an exceptional boy because, uh, you know, he, he was obedient to his his parents. Um, I always think, you know, uh, Jesus' siblings, what must have been like, you know, to be raised with your older brother being... <laughs> Jesus Christ, sinless, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the perfect, obedient one. Yeah. You know, did Mary and Joseph ever said, you know, hey, you should be more like your brother.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Yes, we should. They had a lot to right? manage. Right, well, That's very true. You know, this, yeah. the, so I, d- I the don't know how The angels announced the birth of your brother. Yeah. And all of heaven descended to sing. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he's uh, God incarnate and, you know, I'm sure that, Mary treasured those things in her heart, so she—I'm sure she didn't tell her siblings that. Yeah, Jesus is a little favored, um, but uh, w- what was that like for for them uh, to to experience? Uh, it, but also comforting to know that you know Jesus knows what it's like to be 12. He knows what it's like to be 13, 14, to go through puberty. Mm-hmm. Jesus knows these human experiences mm-hmm. that we have so mm-hmm. intimately.
0: Yep. Walking through the the darkest valley, twelve years old. <laughs> That's a tough time, right? For anybody, right? Uh, truly, um, and maybe Luke included this just for teenagers.
1: Could be right, just it for tweens. Yeah, it could be. So that we know that God is with us and for us, even when we're going through those awkward, yeah, transition parts of life.
0: You know what I noticed when I looked through this is we've been reading through the scripture and and so for... Many, many pages as we've gone through this podcast, uh, it's just been black text on my pa- on my pages of my Bible, but the Bible that I have has the words of Jesus in red, and there... Red letters. Jesus speaks his, for the first time huh? that we see, and he asks, or he says to his mother, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I think that's an interesting opening line for... Right. Lord. So so the, the custom
1: at this time, Jewish people and Jewish males specifically were required to go to Jerusalem, to the temple for three festivals, Pentecost, Tabernacles, and Passover. Mm-hmm. Pentecost was after the, the wheat harvest. It was a, a festival celebrating the harvest. Tabernacles was a festival that was about Remembering the time they lived in tents during their wilderness wanderings from, from their freedom from Egypt before they entered into the holy uh, land. And God lived in a tent, the tabernacle. He right. tabernacled, dwelled among them. And then Passover, specifically remembering this event in Jewish history where the angel of death passed over after Moses performed those those plagues and this was the last plague where they put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts and the angel of death passed over and anybody who had the blood of the lamb on the doorposts was spared. Or their, their oldest sons were, were spared and that's eventually what led Pharaoh to, to give them freedom into the Promised Land. So this was just uh, uh, an essential Jewish holiday. This was central to mm-hmm. to their faith. And Jesus was traveling along with hundreds of thousands of Hebrew people to Jerusalem. Imagine being able to go back to Jerusalem during that time. Yeah, I can't imagine. Oh, I mean, it just must have been a, a festival um, like any other. Crowded streets, noisy, smelly, lots of, uh, you know, singing and shouting and, and celebration as people jostled with one another and, and tried to get their way. It, you can imagine it'd be awfully easy to probably lose track of right. of, of who you were. The, the other thing that I think that's important to understand for context, because... You may look at this and say, okay, you know, is Jesus smart enough to his parents? Right? You know, did you know it was in my father's house? You know, mm-hmm. have you ever lost your child for more than five minutes Yeah, in a public place? Yeah. It's Terrifying. just, yeah, it's panic. Three days.
0: Yeah. Imagine like the state fair or somewhere Three like that. Three
1: days. It says that they, they looked for Jesus, probably the worst thoughts in, in their head. So, you know, this was a different culture and society that would have allowed a 12-year-old that type of independence. But it makes sense when you understand, historically, tw- at the age of 13, in Jesus' time, a Jewish male was considered to be an adult.
0: Right, so he's right on the precipice of that. Correct. And so,
1: in uh, in fact, later on uh, in, the, in, in history, in the 14th century, out of this comes the tradition for Jews that they celebrate today of bar mitzvah, which literally means son of the commandment. And at their bar mitzvah, they they take on the responsibility for their own sin. Before that, 12 and under, your father hmm. or bat mitzvah, your mother for a daughter, is responsible for the kid's sin. Hmm. Kind of interesting. Huh? That is interesting. Uh, but now this happens. Those traditions were later established. But but it was known that, that at that age... Uh, this is what that transfer to adulthood, so Jesus is still a boy, mm-hmm. but he's on the verge of adulthood, and he's just enamored with the teaching at the temple mm-hmm. We can uh, probably assume that where, where where Jesus grew up and there was a synagogue right and and people would have gathered Jesus would have gathered to learn Hebrew with other boys, and he would have had teaching in terms of the Torah and, and history and, and what all those things meant. But now he's in the temple mm-hmm. and he's with, you know, it's, this is the big thing. It's a uh, Passover and there's rabbis there that are very learned and Jesus is just asking questions and impressing them with his answers. And people are just at wonder who's this boy, mm-hmm. right? And, and why does he seem to have understanding that is well beyond his years?
0: And I, I... That's a good question. Who is this boy? And I think that's probably the question that Luke wants us to be asking is, Who is this? Yep. Who who is he going to become? Um yeah, that's really interesting. And interesting to think about the fact that, you know, the belief was that the presence of God was in the temple. And here is Jesus clearly the presence of God is in the temple in a way that they maybe weren't looking for. Nobody at all. saw. Yeah.
1: I mean, think about all those people that walked by God incarnate had no clue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was 12 years old, I think I was probably just riding my bike around like crazy. And so many of us um, probably think we, th- we look back and say, oh, remember the good old days when we could run around? Well, I don't. These weren't the good old days because this road that they were traveling to Jerusalem was a dangerous one. I mean, there were robbers, thieves, murderers. That they traveled in groups so that they could be safe and protect one another. So the heightened amount of anxiety that Jesus's parents must have felt, especially knowing that they were caring for the Son of God and for the Messiah, had to be. They had to be very, very scared. Um, and there's this really interesting passage in in the previous little snippet where. They meet a man named Simeon at also at the temple. This is when Jesus is yep. very very young, and and Simeon says something to Mary and Joseph. He says, "And a sword will pierce your own soul too." And when you look at that, it's you think first of all, what is he saying? Mm-hmm. There is a great burden that Mary and Joseph bear in in bringing up right. Jesus. I mean, they're going to have to have these moments where they're wondering where he is. They're going to have these. They're going to have the moment where they they have to see him on the cross. I mean, or Mary, we don't. I don't think we know. We know that Joseph... about
1: Mary, but we don't. This is also the last encounter we have with Joseph, right? Right, and the, and there is kind of a a stark transition here. Mary said, you, uh, "Your father and I have been searching for you." Mm-hmm. Right, Mary and Joseph, mm-hmm. and and Jesus says why were you searching for Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And I don't think that was an insult to Joseph. No. But probably a recognition that, you know, any Jewish person would have had to understand that God now is, is my father. Jesus is entering into this independence. Joseph would have been responsible for making sure that Jesus grew up in that Hebrew traditions, but also for passing on a trade to him. And so, of course, we believe or history. It teaches that Joseph was a carpenter, was a tradesman, and Jesus would have been mentored by his father in those ways too. But we don't know what happened to Joseph. We don't know if Joseph was alive when Jesus died on the cross. Did he mm-hmm. die? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was he there? Not Mary is mentioned, but Joseph is absent.
0: Mm-hmm. So what we have here in in Luke the The second chapter of Luke is we have three kind of portraits of Jesus. The first is his birth, which of course at Christmas time we often read that story, uh, and it's the story where the angels are in the sky and there's no room in the inn. It's sort of that manger scene that we all picture. Of course, it doesn't have all the details that we picture because some of those come in Matthew. Um, Things like the wise men, we don't see that in Luke, but but we get a picture there at the beginning. Then we get Jesus uh, coming to the temple for his naming ceremony, circumcision, and people start to uh, see who this child is. We have a man named Simeon, as I just mentioned. We have a, a prophet whose name is Anna. They both see Jesus and and look at him and start to wonder who is this, um, and and they know that uh, Jesus is is not just any baby. They know that he is the Savior, not just of the people of Israel, but a light for the whole world. Uh, And then we get this other picture of, of Jesus here at the temple as he's older, and they start asking questions. People are astonished by him. They start wondering, who is this boy? And I think it's so interesting to think that here we have a boy who is God and also human. We believe uh, that that Jesus is, and I'm going to pull out a fancy word and we can unpack it, but the incarnation that he is God with flesh on, the human form. Why is that important? Well, I believe it's
1: important because we understand that the implication of what happens then when that God-man dies on a cross.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That if if Jesus was just partially divine,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? If we didn't have this understanding of the Trinity, then the, that it diminishes what God is accomplishing in terms of our salvation
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the cross. That that Jesus, fully God, fully man, and all that mystery and that paradox, works out in the playing of a twelve-year-old, and whether he knew or didn't know, did God self limit his knowledge and humble himself that much uh, in terms of understanding you know, who he was. But, but the theology behind the understanding of this is, is that yes, God, Jesus, is fully God, is the, is the second person in the Trinity, one God, three persons, and fully man. And so Jesus fully understands what it means to be human except for that he was sinless. And he is divine. He has all power, might, and strength. And in that divinity and in that humanity lays down his life for the sin of the world.
0: And here in these verses we see we see both of those things. We see right. his humanity. We see his divinity. But Prop- we see this
1: also divine because he's asking questions that no one was asking. He's got responses that no one else has. Right. And he, and he goes back home and he grows in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Yeah. And so how that works, that he, Jesus, the boy, grows in favor with himself because God right you know this—it's your your brain
0: can start to hurt if you think about it too much right it's the
1: complexities of of a Trinitarian belief and understanding of God that that's a mystery it's a holy mystery but it's true it's a both end
0: yeah I think in our world in our culture in our the frame of mind that many of us carry is we like everything to work in neat little piles that we can fully wrap our minds around Mm mm-hmm one of the things that I'm constantly reminded of as I return to scripture is that there are mysteries here that I cannot fully grasp or understand. And I think that's the way it's supposed to be yep. because it is beyond me. And And so what are your thoughts about that, about the mysteries of God? Do you try, do you spend, you sit up at night trying to figure out all of these great mysteries? I mean, I do think we're supposed to wrestle with them, but, but I also think it's important for us to know that we're not God, and we won't ever fully understand.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sleep, yes. <laughs> this is all I'm wired. I, you know, when I was a kid, I'd get a remote-control car or something for Christmas, my birthday, and it'd be in parts hmm. in a matter of weeks because I wanted to take it apart and see how it worked. Yep. Right, and I think that's the same thing that led me personally or part of what led me into ministry and into pursuit of that is because I, I want to know. I'm curious. Uh, I want to know mm-hmm. how does this work? How does that connect? Uh, and I think we all have a little bit of that. Maybe some more than others. But, mm-hmm. uh, but there's really a drive, like uh, you know, it's frustrating when you reach the end of your logical ability to yeah. comprehend how
0: yeah.
1: something functions. But that's what theology is. What we're talking about is mm-hmm. theology and how do we we do this? But theology is faith first, seeking understanding.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, the I think. The good part about it, the practical part of that is what it drives me is to recognize, man, there has to be a God, a creator, a designer, a, a savior, a sustainer beyond.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because there's just things about this world and the mysteries of this world and the mysteries of of Scripture and God that that I, I reach the limits of my intellectual capacity and my ability to understand and to and it leads me at least to a place of trust and a place of humility to recognize my you know' we're, I'm limited I am weak but he is strong right I can't contain this mystery this knowledge such knowledge is too wonderful for me yeah. and and that's both a, a, a humbling thing. But also a very beautiful thing because then to know that we have a God that does contain it
0: and hold it. we don't it. have to. And we don't have to. Yeah. One of the things that I think many people struggle with is that when they read, so we're just at the beginning of the New Testament, but they read the Old Testament and then the New Testament and it, it seems like, am I reading two different stories? And I think what we've seen as we've gone through the story of scriptures that no, this is one big sweeping story, a grand narrative that all fits together. And here, I think it's pretty clear that, that Luke wants us to realize that this is a story that began long, long ago. He makes all these references to, to Abraham and to the, the people of God before this. Jesus grew up in this tradition. Jesus knew so very, very well the story of God. And so I, I just think it's important that we just pause and say, this is another chapter in that big story that we have been going through.
1: Yeah, the, the overarching narrative of what God is doing for us mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, when you go to the next chapter, Jesus is baptized. He's 30 years old by John the Baptist. And Luke includes, at the end of that, after his baptism, uh, his his uh, genealogy shows us how he was connected right down to Adam and to God, mm-hmm. generation to generation. So he, he is very much tying this or connecting this to the entire narrative of God's people. I think, you know, if you're a first-time Bible reader and, and, and understanding, I would say start with the gospel, start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, mm-hmm. John, Mm-hmm. you know start with acts and mm-hmm. and and then study those study the pastoral letters and then move into the old testament and understand it as you know it's history it's connections it's 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 and how it how it is just all layer upon layer interrelated to each other in one comprehensive story of what god is doing to redeem what was lost to restore what was
0: mm-hmm. broken
1: mm-hmm.
0: So in what ways does, you know, we gather around this Christmas story and we proclaim exactly what the angels proclaimed, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth, on those who His favor rests. Um, why do we do that year after year after year? Why Christmas? Why Christmas? Seems like an obvious question, but it actually might be lost in... In the world that we live in, why Christmas?
1: Yeah, there's. I think Christmas has is unappealing to a lot of people because it's become so much of what it's not, right? There's so much commercial in our world today uh, mm-hmm. that is driving us to make Christmas about spending money we don't have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if we if we break it down, the roots of all those things come out of biblical tradition we buy gifts because it's a reflection of Jesus the gift we we hang lights on our houses because he's the light of the world
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know John's mm-hmm. gospel says the you know the light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it and even even traditions like the yule log and christmas cookies and christmas trees and a lot of the decorations and the symbols we use they're all deeply religious they're mm-hmm. they're tied to tradition they're mm-hmm. tied to scripture but I, I think at some point it's good for us to deconstruct that, I know it's been good for me, and just get to the the true implication of what has happened. What what do we have recorded in the Gospels about Jesus' birth? So I say the first reason to celebrate Christmas is because it is recorded in Scripture. Mm-hmm. It was significant that God became man, mm-hmm. that God was born in Bethlehem, and this obscure town in the middle of the night at the darkest hour light entered into a very dark world and and that means that the light of god shines brightly into the darkness of our lives that means that god's a god that shows up in in unexpected ways in an unexpected place just when you think the world's gonna win just when you think it's over it's not over just when you think darkness is gonna win it's it it hasn't won Because the light's there and that light is Christ and that light is the light for all men, for all men and women throughout uh, the world. So we celebrate Christmas because the Bible does. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's interesting. I mean, we can get into the arguments. We look at the history and say, and see, there's no date. Right. It doesn't say December 25th. Right. Right. uh, For Christmas Day and Christmas. That came later. Mm-hmm. that's part of of, of church tradition mm-hmm. um we know that that when Constantine became a christian the 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 head of the church at that time I can't remember what his name was uh but that's when the early church decided that that we would celebrate Christmas at that date does that mean it's wrong no well pick a date because if there's not a date pick a date we should just celebrate it we should celebrate it every day Every day, right? The <laughs> incarnation that God became man. God became knowable to us. Yeah. Hallelujah! Praise yep. the Lord. That likes to the best thing. And so a lot of people get arguing. Well, what's the right date? Should we celebrate this? Should we celebrate that? Well, the, I don't think it matters. I think there's a lot of symbolism. What's happening at this time of the year? Well, the days are getting to their shortest and their darkest. Yeah. And so, you know, when that was played, this is is a great time to celebrate Christmas because of. The light of the world enters in that that darkest time. There's there's a lot of symbolism to that. There's a lot of beauty to that. Um, it, you know, so there there's there's history there, yes. But that we deconstruct it, but then it points us to the greater truth and the significance of what is accomplishing. So so I'd say, first of all, we celebrate Christmas because the Bible does. The Bible makes mention of it. It's it's contained, and they celebrated in Luke chapter two. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, the shepherds, the hosts of heaven, the angels singing. The wise men, the hosts, right? Yep. Even the barnyard animals.
0: And they don't they don't say this, but part of me thinks they maybe were having some uh prune cookies. Yeah. <laughs>
1: some prune tarts. Yeah. Yeah, it, some Finnish. I'm not I'm not 100% so we, on this, <laughs> but. I'm pretty sure Jesus was born in Finland. <laughs> Does <laughs> this it say is, that? My wait, wait, oh wait a second. <laughs> I'll redact that. That's yeah. wrong. That's not fact. Oh, uh,
0: that's yeah. funny. But yeah. Although,
1: I, although Santa Claus, St. Nick, according to my ancestor's tradition, right? You know, St. Nick, he lives in Finland. Oh. There's no reindeer in the North Pole, but where are the reindeer? In the Lapland in Finland. So yeah. that's where Santa's village is and where Santa is from.
0: Yes. <laughs> we'll put that <laughs> on a map. Yep. That's good. Well, I've been sending my letters to the wrong place then.
1: Yes, you have. <laughs> That
0: makes a lot. You might of Might improve sense your now. gift giving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get that straight. Yep. Um, but yeah, the beauty of it, the significance, we celebrate it because it's here. But I actually think I actually think that's an important question for all of us to ask this time of year because we get so caught up in all the extras. I do it. You know, I'm sure you do it. All of our families do it. We all know people who are kind of <laughs> drowning in Christmas and and to always step back and say, what's that? What's essential and what's at the core of what we're doing is yeah. this
1: incarnation that that Jesus became. In, car, he became carnal, right? To break this word down, incarnate. You know, carnality, flesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, God put flesh on. That's what incarnate would would technically break down to be mm-hmm. probably from its Latin roots. Mm-hmm. So we know God is with us. He was one of us, mm-hmm. knowable personal, intimate, that means God is not an obscure God that's just out there somewhere in heaven looking down on us and distant from our experiences and our suffering and from our dark nights when we think there's no light is shining. No, Jesus is right there in it, with us, for us, loving us, guiding us, calling us. That's that's good news. That's very good news. In all those traditions, I think what would it doesn't mean we we don't celebrate them, no. or participate in them. You may if if they're a tradition where you think for your family that it's not of God and, it, and it's opposite and it's leading to something that's not healthy. Yeah, well then axe it. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, but uh, but if it is it is something that that points to the the real story, the original story to Luke chapter two. And it edifies if Christmas lights, if you can put Christmas lights on your house, not because you're trying to be the coolest person to show how much money you can spend and compete with your neighbors about how shiny and bright and awesome your house is. But if you're putting up Christmas lights because you know that this represents the light of the world entering into the, who was born in the darkest hour, go for it.
0: I think we race to Christmas, and we get to Christmas, and we take a breath, and it's almost like it its it's the end, but it's not the end. It is the beginning. Yeah. And so I would encourage all of our listeners to see it that way, to remember that, what is the baby? What is a baby? A baby is the the beginning of a whole new life. And as we can see, Luke shows us it's a whole new life for Jesus who is growing up, but it's also a whole new life for every single one of us because it is in his life that we find ours. And so keep listening. Keep listening. We will be back again next week with our next podcast If you want to know more about Hope Lutheran Church, visit us at fargohope.org. We'd love to have you share, like this podcast, and bring more people into listening as we make our way through the story of Scripture. And in the meantime, stay deeply rooted.